Hi, my name is Angelina Nugent and you're listening to the To The Point podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of the To The Point podcast with me, Kean Mac Nicholas. And on today's episode, I chat to a broadcaster and now a communication advisor for MEP Maria Walsh, Angelina Nugent, who is my guest on today's podcast. Angelina talks all about her 18 years in Midwest radio, interviewing Sir Alex Ferguson, working for RT Radio 1 and much, much more. Without further ado, here is the interview with Angelina Nugent. So, um, do you mind starting yourself off by giving yourself your own introduction, by just telling people who might know you are, just who you are and what you do? So, my name is Angelina Nugent. Um, I spent 18 years uh, working in Midwest Radio, uh, a large portion of that as sports editor. Um, and also as a news journalist um, started there while I was at school doing some reports um, probably actually around 15 or so and, and then went into it after school, ended up there um, probably for longer than I thought I would. But I was so lucky to get the opportunity to do that um, and be appointed sports editor when I was what, 18, 19, probably 19 or whatever. So very lucky to do that. I left Midwest Radio in July 2019. I spent about 20 months as head of fundraising and communications for Mayo Roscommon Hospice Foundation, um, a wonderful opportunity as well. Um, very lucky to get that opportunity with no experience in fundraising, whatever about the communication side of it. And then I just decided that uh, I think once I got brave and moved after 18 years, that uh, the time was maybe right to move again, which sounds a bit mad. After about, about 18 months, I decided that I, I love the communication side of it, the journalism side of it. So moved on again, very lucky to get a position with um, MEP Maria Walsh, um, MEP for the Midlands Northwest constituency. And I'm doing communications and some local constituency stuff for Maria. And I'm very lucky that uh, as a lovely boss, she affords me the opportunity to do some freelance work with Radio, RT Radio 1 in terms of sports reporting and that. Mm. So, yeah, doing a little bit of everything at the minute, Key. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start off with a quick game just to ease into it. Um, I'll give you a few topics. It's called the opinion on game, right? So I'll give you a few topics, as I said, and you just give your opinion on them or your thoughts on them. So I'll start off with a bit of an easy one. So I know you're a big GAA person. So what are your predictions for this year's uh, GAA championship? You're starting off with an easy one, Keen, are you? <laughs> well, this, is the, this is the entire uh, podcast, so discussing this. Gottlieb, do you know I haven't even thought about it? Look, let's be honest. I'm going to get take the easy one out of it here. It's very hard look beyond Dublin. Mm. I mean, they're, they're untouchable the last few years. I think it's going to be hard. Catch them again. Um, so for the All-Ireland Championship, uh, I think you know, they will be very difficult to beat. They're not unbeatable, but I, I, I just don't know who's at the point where they can be beaten at the moment. So, yeah, I would say Dublin um, for the football, for me, definitely. Yeah, Mayo, how do you see them getting on? Look, uh, I think it's a time of transition. I'm really excited to see it. I mean, the, the, the young players that came in last year that did um, so well. I mean, you look at Oshin Mullen. It's very hard to believe that this time last year we were probably looking at him as, you know, a new player, well, this time last year, we probably weren't looking at anything because there's no inter-county games on. But, you know, um, you know, he was well-established with his club and known and, and that kind of thing. But 
I just think his his introduction to the side last year changed things. He's done so well at full back in, in the, the, the the few league games that we've had up to this point. So, um, you know, you have Owen McLaughlin, you know, Matty Ruan coming back from an injury, Tommy Conroy, um, some fantastic young players. So I think it's a t- it is a time of transition, but I think it was highly important that we did that when we started it last year. So I was really happy to see James Horan embracing some of that young talent that we know was out there. Um, and for that reason, I mean, I definitely don't, I thought Connacht last year, if we won Connacht, I think that would have been huge for us. Mm-hmm. We did that obviously and got to an All-Ireland final. For me, that was real bonus territory. Now I know for the lads, probably they're aiming for that every year. Um, but I think if we can sustain that growth introduce even more young players, develop them, further develop the players that got that game time last year because it's all about playing in the Heat Championship yeah. um, and, and getting that game time. I, I I think winning Connacht would be huge. I think, you know, getting promotion back to Division 1 would be would be big as well, albeit the league this year is skewed and I don't think we're seeing the full picture. But yeah, like I mean, I do think they'll be there or thereabouts. I'm not at all ruling them out, but I just think maybe where Dublin are at compared to Mayo's rebuilding is, is what the difference is at the moment. Yeah, and that decision, as you mentioned by James Horne, to introduce these young, these young lads uh, like Oshie Mullen, like Owen McLaughlin, it was a bold decision because he, he left a lot of the main starters out of the team for a long time. You know, some of them could even make the match 26 even for the final. So yeah. how did you feel at the time, that decision, did, were you supporting at the time? Or it's obviously worked now, we've seen it through last season, but at the time, were you a bit, were you a bit shocked? Um, yeah, well, I suppose, I, I actually, to be honest, and I, you know, I, was, I, I remember sitting with the lads, um, the, hard, the, the the three books left, um, Stephen and, and Pete and, and oh, yeah. Chris doing a podcast similar. Mm. Um, and we were talking about football before anything had started. It was towards the end of the recap, kind of of last season we were chatting about and I, I am a big one. Like I think people who who know me and I do, I talk too much anyway. But it's not too bad in the game <laughs> that I mean. Um, but I like I love talking about football. But I would have been a huge advocate the last few years of introducing new talent, and I was lucky to get an opportunity to do some presenting work with Mayo GA TV over the last few seasons as well. And I was seeing a lot more of the club stuff. I was out at it than when I was in Midwest in the studio or whatever. And I was seeing, the, you know, the, the, the likes of these lads. I mean, Kilmaine, like last year, were, were a great story as well when the club football was on. And obviously, Oshin, a big part of that. Um, and, you know, I, I, to be honest, was I was, I was supportive of it, most definitely at the time. Um, was I shocked? I probably was. But I, it, was, it, was a, it was a good shock, I thought. At last, we're seeing this movement towards, and, and that's no, by, I just need to preface this with, it's no disrespect to the lads who have given that service because my God, talk about mileage on the clock, talk about putting in huge shifts. Like there's lads there and those lads are still, the ones who haven't retired are still going to be a huge part of the panel going forward because a huge part of this is integrating lads in to that style. And you only do that by blending it with the experience. Like, you know, when you think you could have the likes of Colin Boyle sprung on for a game, you know, for 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe more when you know Boiler. I mean, I'm sure he thinks he's he's going to be fit for longer than that. Um, like that, that's invaluable. I mean, that's invaluable to young lads, like for the likes of Oshin Mullen or for, you know, there's a great lad from our own club here, in Ballahadreen, I hope he gets a chance. Young David McBride, um, who's who's another defender, really good defender, and he's in the panel. You know, and I know he had a couple of injuries and that kind of thing. So, um, like th- those lads will relish playing with the, the Colin Boyles and the, but they won't fear them either. And that that builds character in them. So I wasn't, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see it, and I, I have to say I am supportive of it because at some stage we have to say, okay, 
we need to look now to the future a little bit. Who's going to sustain us for the next 10 years? Because we've had such a great squad over the last 10 years, more. Mm, yeah. I just want to change topic uh, to, you're obviously working back in working in the media again. Uh, what's your opinion on the Irish media, its state at the moment? God, it's a big question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I suppose I, I always, I have, I have a huge loyalty to, to local radio and the work that they do. So I'm ve- I am very lucky to be getting the opportunity to do the freelance stuff at Radio 1. It's probably anyone's dream if they're, I don't know about you, Keen. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to hear because I know like obviously this is the, the line of work you, you'd love to go into on a full-time basis. And, uh, you know, I did the full-time work with, with Midwest for so long and was, as I said, that was that, that's what created anything. I've Any opportunity I've had since has been created by that. And I'll be very clear on that. Um, and I loved my time there. Um, but you know, you, you people dream of doing some stuff for the state broadcaster and it's a fantastic opportunity and it's it's so professionally run in terms of the, the dealings with with contractors and, and how you do your reports and, you know, and all of that and, and everything is kind of organised ahead of time and, and you know, the, it's, it's great. But, I mean, I suppose I, I do have a huge loyalty to local radio and I would always say that there's there are huge issues if you want to talk about, I'll get political on it and I know it's something that's being looked at at the moment, um, with it with a special committee group where you know local media papers and and radio stations aren't uh, getting the, the same supports as state organized organizations so the, a portion of the license fee is something that local radio stations have campaigned for for years now it is being examined um by as i said a committee headed up by uh, minister richard bruton at the moment um, and and all of those facts are, are being looked at. And I know, you know, radio did get some supports that they wouldn't have gotten previously during COVID, which was which was brilliant to see. It kept them afloat because yeah. there was no advertising. Because how could businesses do it when they were closed? Um, but a lot of people don't realise like local radio stations depend solely on advertising. There is no other backup bar, as I said, this emergency COVID funding. But the same for newspapers. Um, like local newspapers have just suffered the hardest time, I would say. Um, of, of their existence over the last, and I include the recession in that over the last 15 months or so. So I think, you know, in order to preserve that, what we enjoy, that that right to free speech, that right to, you know, local protests being covered or local events being covered, be it radio or paper, we do need to make sure that, that those media outlets are supported in doing that, because I do think that in another 10 years, you could vastly see the landscape change. And even with the emergence of, and which is brilliant, like the likes of these podcasts, and I know, as I said, working for Maria Walsh, she, she has a, a podcast herself as well, and will be developing that further in the next few months. Mm. It's a great opportunity for people to have their voice and, and let others' voices be heard as well. But, you know, the, you know, then, then there's a whole issue, you know, of, of um, some of the, the kind of the speaker pro, uh, products like Alexa or, you know, your whatever built in uh, speakers that you have using radio stations on various other platforms where they're selling the advertising and the, the actual stations themselves aren't receiving that advertising. So th- there's, there's an awful lot of areas to be looked at. I think it's very important the right supports are in place for them. Mm. But generally, I mean, I, I do think that, I think we, we, sometimes we take for granted the, the golden nuggets that we get from local media. And I mean papers and radio stations in that, because w- what they do to cover on the resources that they have is amazing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and from speaking to a lot of people, and I asked them the same question, they, they do believe 
the future of media is in local radio. It's going to become more important, not less important. And, and it's, as you said, it's important that you have those fundings to support that. It is, absolutely. And I think there was a perception, you know, out there. Uh, certainly, I remember, you know, before I finished in Midwest, where people would be saying to you, oh, local radio is, is finished. Um, you know, the, the, the rise of podcasts, <laughs> no, no cut intended, Keen, the rise of, you know, and, and I loved, I mean, I listened to an awful lot of podcasts but people said, you know, people, people who just want stuff on demand, they're not going to listen to the organic mm. content of local radio. But I think I definitely think if you're looking for positives out of a pandemic for that industry um, and the same with local papers, definitely. And even the, the, on, the way they've the online papers, what I really admire, I have to say, is the way they've pivoted to digital content and, and supplying their digital content really well and making yeah. it really accessible because people weren't leaving their homes to buy the physical paper. So they, you know, okay, some publications were great at doing that already, but others had to adapt really quickly to make sure that they, they kept up with it. But yeah, I think if COVID taught us anything, it's that when you're in your house and you want to hear, you know, news and you want to hear, but you don't maybe want to hear news all day. That's the other side of it. You may want to hear, you know, in our area, Paul and, and Jerry, you know, mm. from 11 to 1 having a bit of crack and they left that. I did it most days I, when I was working at home, I switched to them at 11 o'clock wasn't working there but I, because I thought you know I know another former colleague of mine used to say the same thing she turned to it because she couldn't yeah. listen to any of the heavy stuff and uh, she'd go back to the heavy stuff later when things were really bad uh, and she just yeah she listened to them for the crack so I do think it's it's they're they're company for people like I know working in local radio you did you, you felt that because you would have people call you regularly you'd get to know them you might never have met them face to face but it was a point of contact for them. And they felt like those people on local radio were their friends. And it's the same with papers because those journalists, like you look at the papers we have here in Mayo, like fantastic publications, yeah. though, like they, they all work so hard. They're not just sports journalists or news journalists. They're covering everything. They're a lot of the time working their seven day weeks or they're working late at night to get stuff out. And people don't see that because in the larger publications, there are more staff, there's more resources. Um, uh, so I think it's going to be a hugely important part for our future. So that's great to hear that people think that as well, though, because I always think I'm very biased and I, I always really <laughs> yeah. uh, admit that. Yeah. Mm. And just more of a personal question. What has been the last year and a half this stage, like for yourself um, living with COVID-19? Yeah, it's strange. I actually said to my my mom, we were talking about this with things opening up in the last like week or two again about how we feel now at this point. I think it's when we look back, Keen. I think it'll be maybe in, you know, uh, 10 years down the road, five years down the road, whatever the case may be, if we're all lucky, to have, uh, lucky enough to have our health and everything, we'll look back and we'll say, did we really live through that? Because like, even for yourself, I'm sure like schooling was interrupted, mm. you know, you had to adapt to different ways of, of doing things. I had never worked at home in the radio job because you did, you, you know, it's not as practical. You'd either be on site at a story or, a, you know, an event or whatever, or in the office, you had to be. Um, but then even that changed. I mean, my, my husband still works in Midwest and, and, you know, he was involved in setting up other studios, satellite studios. So not everyone was in the one studio at the one mm. time. And for us in the hospice, uh, which is where I was when COVID kicked off, we all, you know, went to working from home overnight, really, um, thinking it was only going to be like everyone else for the couple of weeks. Um, I had never done that. I found the transition really difficult, to be honest, mm. at the beginning, because I actually and no demand on me to do that. I, you know, I have to say, but I found myself at my laptop longer earlier in the morning. You know, you didn't have the commute. So I was still getting up at the same time. 
and staying later on because you'd always feel like god does that you know do people think and it's it's only in your own head that I'm not working because I'm at home like it was so alien for me now I did get into a better routine as as time went on because we were back in the office in July which was brilliant and then we were back out again um come January of this year and I was finishing up the end of February so I really made a conscious effort to be out of bed at the same time in the morning, you know, to get dressed, maybe not in the work clothes per, per se, if you're going to the office, but as near as, as you could, I have three dogs. So it's not always mm. practical. <laughs> and then, um, you know, just like I, I made a conscious and I did get into a better routine and I feel I'm in a better place. Like I'm working at home at the moment as well. Um, and will be for a little while because the rest of the team are actually in Brussels. So uh, yeah, like I, I'm definitely in a better routine with it. I found that transition hard. I found, I love being in an office. I love talking to people. I love, you know, that cup of tea you might have. And even if you're talking about work, you're interacting with people. So I do feel a little bit cut off that way at times. Um, but certainly I have a better routine. I found the gyms closing really hard um, mm. and they've only just reopened. And I was back in, you know, Tuesday morning or whatever um, with the guys here in health quarters in Valhadrine. And I was just, I mean, that to me was more exciting than the outdoor time and opening up. And I do like to have a meal out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that I found that really difficult for my head. And plus, I find working from home, it I go early morning. I kept that routine up as if I was going to the office. But I, I leave the house early in the morning, go into the gym session and I come back. So I'm nearly in. I'm nearly coming back. I'm leaving my home and nearly coming back into my office. If you get me, it's getting yeah. my head in the right place. So it's great this week. I'll be giving out about it next week again. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, I'm giving out about the fact that they're, you know, they're pushing me too hard and I'm really sore. But yeah, so I found that hard. And I did. I, look, I'm a, I'm a social person. It's, um, you know, I really discovered that probably more than I thought I did because I'm, I'm a real like I, I love sitting on the couch after a week's work and not maybe moving too far as well. Like the, like the best of any, you know, the best of people would love to do that if you've had a hard week at work. But I missed meeting people and having the chat about football and, you know, um, like you know, meeting meet a few from the club here because I'm involved in the club in Balladrine and, you know, you'd have the talk about whatever club game was coming up or, you know, what, whatever Mayo game was coming up or Roscommon game for some of them, it has to be said. And like, it's, you know, it's it's all of that and it's that crack and um, and obviously the football. I mean, when the football came back last year, it transformed my life, I have to say, because I was getting to go to some of them at Radio yeah. 1, like in November, I got to see Camogie, which I would never have covered before. I was watching, you know, I was at the Camogie finals actually in Port Queeve and they, you know just an amazing standard and then like just to be able to say it was awful not being able to go to an All-Ireland but we made kind of an occasion of it here with my sister and my mum on that Saturday evening to watch it and it was lovely um result not so much but you know it, it just all of those things I mean I it's just brilliant to have sports back with us the last yeah. few weeks again I think it changes it for everyone it's an escapism Oh, massively, massively. Even if you're just watching it and it, it's anything. I mean, literally, I remember, do you remember when the Bundesliga came back and everyone oh, was like, stuff, yeah. oh my God, there's football back. Like I would never have had any interest, I have to say. And it was, God, we have, we have to watch something with sport. It's sport, we'll watch it. So like, I think we were all a little bit like that. If you have any inclination for watching sport. Yeah. And I just want to uh, go back to the start of your career. So from a young age, did you always want to get into media? Or was it was just a wild idea that you might want to go into radio or TV? <laughs> it was it was re- it was an accident and I, I like I always when I tell this story I laugh about it it was really a case of so I go back to when I, as I, said, I was about 15 and John Melvin in the Connacht Telegraph um who I thankfully still and I met him at the Mayo Down game lately get to see you very regularly he's he's just a great guy and 
I was, so I, I'm one of two girls in my family. I'm the eldest. So my dad was sports mad, absolutely crazy, GA crazy, boxing crazy, all of that. So I suppose he had, he, you know, if we go back to those times, he didn't have lads, but he, he always talked to me as if, you know, it didn't matter to him whether it was a boy or a girl, like it was just sport, sport, sport. So I got my love of sport from him. But I grew up then in a house where he listened to me like talking about sports. So I never I never encountered some of we'll say maybe the the sexism that other women might have yeah. or whatever when it came to, you know, to, to sport. But, you know, we going to matches and going with Burns babe to ma- Burns babes to matches and John Melvin would be on that bus sometimes and everything. And you'd hear me spouting. I was always spouting. I had to change. <laughs> about why I thought X, Y, and Z, who should be playing and why they should be playing and who played well. And he asked me before, I think it was a league semi-final against Derry in Markovich Park. Would I pick it? He asked a few young people in fairness. He was great for giving opportunities like that. Um, would they write an article kind of predicting the team and who they thought would win? Short article. So I said, absolutely. Um, and I always had, I loved English. And I, I would always, always have thought I'd have gone into the written word if I was going to anything, but that's not the way it panned out. But I did that and my dad met Willie the Shoe McNeely. Now, long before your time, Keen, but um, just a a guy who was just lived and breathed sport and changed everything in local radio the way it was covered at the time. He'd been appointed sports editor in Midwest. He met my dad in the street. They would have known each other from Casper and said, do you think I saw your daughter at an article? Do you think she'd be interested in doing some stuff for Midwest? And dad said, yeah, I wasn't even with him. <laughs> so that was, uh, he came home and told Your me. agent. Um, yeah, so <laughs> go and, go and, and um, go and, and basically the advice was we got in touch, go and record a demo, watched a match, recorded a, wrote a report, recorded it, sent it to him. And the rest was history because I started probably the following weekend covering matches um, and when I was still at school at the weekends, um, you know, variety, like a lot of the Mayo League stuff, um, and then like the GA leagues and whatever might be going on. Um, and, and again, Willie the Shoe, um, you know, was a great man for giving opportunity. There was an awful lot of young reporters who started under him in his time in Midwest. So it really was like a breed. Like you look at when Mike Finnerty was there, you know, from a very young age, but you look at like the, the type the, the type of people who've come out of Midwest. And I'm in, I'm, I'm in yeah. like, I'm poor company to them because like you look at, you know, Liam Horn was the first ever sports editor there was, you know, he was in the Irish Independent, he's his own company. He's, you know, he's just, he's a fantastic guy um, in media. Mike Finnerty, obviously. You had Jonathan Mullen, who's in the Racing Post. He was an Ortiz racing correspondent. Like I'm, I'm missing people because there were so many different people. Adrian Eames was, was, um, first sports editor there Adrian's one of the 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 top commentators and producers in Radio One Sport Barry O'Neill who's a Sunday uh, sport uh, producer in Radio One was in Northwest so like an awful lot of them came from that breeding ground and and it really was a great nursery so I went in then I decided after I I liked it I had I had never thought about a career in, in media at all prior to that I loved it um, so came to my leave insert year. My parents were very supportive. They were absolutely brilliant um, in terms of, you know, how they, um, you know, approach things with education. And they kind of came to me and said, I said to them, I wouldn't mind trying this. I don't know if I want to do it at college. There weren't as many choices out there when I was doing my leave insert in terms of the courses you could follow. There was probably a communications course that wasn't radio geared. It was more general. And there was a journalism course, which was mainly kind of written this very small kind of section on on um, radio and TV. So John Leary was just starting to come on stream really strongly, but I hadn't looked into any of that. Decided I'd ask Willie the Shoe for an opportunity to go in for a year after my leave insert and see how things were. Did I like it from the inside? 
did that with the support of my parents and that was it I I ended up there for you know um the 18 years unfortunately um Willie uh, became sick for the second time probably the April after I started and he passed away in the June um, and I had fully intended to still leave at the end of that summer and that I was going to go to Dublin, take up a course, had deferred a couple of places and do a little part time work up there in radio. And, you know, Paul Claffey, the managing director of Midwest, had offered me the job a couple of times to see what I consider it. And I thought he was nearly messing. That's sports like editor job. Yes, that's right. Yeah, after the shoe uh, passed away, and um, yeah, I said I said to him, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I was still adamant I was going to Dublin, and then um, he came to me a third time, and I thought, God, maybe he's not messing. Maybe he actually, you know, thinks I can do this. So yeah, I, I again, I decided to embrace it, and I was so lucky. I was a second female sports editor in the country. And if you think about that in the context that the other lady was in Dublin, Hazel Nolan, who's still very, very prolific in broadcasting and um, in sports broadcasting, it was a big departure for a radio station, yeah. what, 20, 20, oh, like 20 years ago, maybe a little less, 19 years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they were very brave to take the, the punt on me. And I still appreciate that because I was very lucky to do it at the age I was doing it, you know. Yeah. And um, what was some of the highlights from your, your 18 years at Midwest? Because it's a, it's a long time. In, in it's a long, it is a long time. Yeah. I'm feeling really old. Today <laughs> I'm thinking of when I did my leave search and how many years ago it was. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, some of the highlights, look, I, there, was an, there were an awful lot. Um, I was involved with a team that didn't change too much while I was there either, which was lovely. We had a great bond and I would still regard them as the best people. Like, so I was in, I was head of sport and I had a couple of people who were, part-time producers who have gone on to great things as well besides not because of me I might add but because they were they were great people but they were doing Saturdays and Sundays while they were at college and stuff like that um the likes of Noel Byrne who was um who's done a lot of media stuff since but is working in the political realm as well actually with um Anne Rabbit in, in Leinster House uh, so there's a lot of people that that have gone on and they they work part-time John Mulligan who's in Galway Bay was was a producer with me in Midwest for quite a while as well so like I worked with a great team there like and I ended up working in news as well on a full-time basis when there was kind of you know a reconfiguring of of the services within Midwest um, and sport and news became more closely aligned, which was brilliant. So, um, you know, I, I, one of them that comes to mind straight away, but I, I hate kind of, I don't even talk too much about it. It's because it's not, it was, it was a team thing, but I was very lucky to win a PPI radio award, which is the national radio awards for um, a documentary that we put together uh, covering Henry Coyle's fight in the Royal Theatre in Castle Bar when you know when Henry was boxing professionally he had fought in Madison Square Garden then got an opportunity to fight for a belt in Castle Bar it was big time boxing in the theatre it was absolutely packed to the rafters with the whole of Eris and beyond there was some great um, undercard fights you know, with local boxers like the likes of Darren Cruz from Castle Ree was on that that time I think and a few more but um and we, we put together a kind of a highlight set of we, 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 he won the, the title and we followed him home because uh, it was interesting. It was unique. It's not something that you'd be covering every day. And it was it was very we were very lucky to be shortlisted and won uh, the, the radio award for that. That was definitely a highlight because it just it it it, it again made me see the power of local radio. I mean, that was a very local story. It was very unique to, to Mayo even. Um, you know, it was chatting to people in Gisala that night when we were waiting for Henry to come back. 
you know, and, and chatting to them about what it meant. And like there were there were grown men crying because he was a, he was a local lad who was training in a gym out the back of his something. You know, when you talk about Katie Taylor out the back of his parents house when, you know, and, and suddenly he was making waves this way, you know, so it was fantastic. That was one of them. Like there were there were I was involved in the news team when they won a PPI radio award as well. But then you have like it, it's not all about awards and that it's it's sometimes the 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 broadcast days that you spend together or the, the kind of marathon the marathon sessions elections I absolutely loved elections I'm really really odd it's probably good I've gone into this job because I won't go into the election count I loved election counts um the lead up to them can be a bit testing all right but to an election but I I always opted I loved to do the late night sessions so like the count would start on a Saturday I would do the overnight on a Saturday and 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 into Sunday again if it was needed because I loved when the the counts were actually moving and I always and you know we always did a really good job on those and I mean Mm. like our news editor there Teresa O'Malley is phenomenal Paula Donlan also experienced um and and we get together and, and plan that and we you know we we carried that out ourselves and it, you know it was brilliant because we had a small team in, in the station and, and it worked really well. Uh, all Ireland's were always fantastic and you you never got bored of them. Like there was the build up shows, you were trying to keep it low key, but you couldn't keep it low key because people wanted you to do stuff and you know you were trying to balance it. And we did fundraising for the county board for the training fund coming up to all Ireland's and they, they were they were dream things to be involved in, like to broadcast from Crow Park on All-Ireland Final Day, for me, it's hard to beat that because every time you walk in, and I still do it as a supporter, and I've been there as a sports and left, I, I look up and I go, I put my mouth open. It's the most amazing yeah. stadium. And to be to say you're working there on, on All-Ireland Final Day, for me, is uh, it's hard to beat that, you know. Um, very, very lucky. But you got to meet some great characters along the way as well. Sir Alex Ferguson, very lucky yeah. to meet him. Not a Man U fan. But yeah, he was a great man for coming to oh. Manchester United Supporters Clubs in Ireland. Um. And did you interview him? I did. And I interviewed him uh, not long after the scandal with Rio Ferdinand and the missed drugs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I got to ask him about that and he was great. He, I thought he might balk when I asked him, but he didn't and he answered it. And that was in the cast court in Westport. Man, I've interviewed a couple of times and I have huge time for him. He gets huge stick because everyone thinks he's really serious. It's Stephen Hendry, um, the snooker player. Like it just Oh, yes, yes. Legend. Uh, he he's he's played a few times in Mayo in Ballina and in in um in the Castle Court in Westport. Ken Doherty, um, they they were really great guys, I have to say, and they they'd have a bit of crack with you and a bit of fun, and um, you know, the, the, just um, uh, Steve Davis, I should say, I said Stephen Henry. Oh my God, I have not interviewed Stephen Henry, um, but even uh, yeah, Steve Davis. Uh, <laughs> Was, was was yeah Stephen Henry was at one of them but no Steve Davis is a great guy because he's really interested in broadcasting and he does a lot of the stuff for BBC um when it comes to snooker um and he he was more interested in the recording equipment we with us that night than he was in actually doing the interview which is brilliant we had a great chat with him um yeah so like people like that there's probably there's, there's others I've left out but like it you you don't realize until you look back and you go wow that was kind of cool like yeah. you get to meet people and when you love sports you're they're the people you want to meet do you, do you ever get overwhelmed you know you mentioned you met alex ferguson if that was me i, I would say i get overwhelmed you know what i mean yeah i ju- i think it's afterwards you kind of go yeah i definitely nerves but i think nerves are a great thing mm. I, I don't know about overwhelmed but i definitely i don't think you get overwhelmed either because you're like you're pulling off you're playing a blinder with these podcasts so i think when you're in that you know when you're, you're you kind of put the, you're in the space that you're going to do an interview you prepare yourself like you would for anything. You have, you know, your few questions ready um, and you just treat it like an interview, like like anything else. Like, 
honestly, I think I've probably gotten more nervous about some of the big, bigger GA interviews I've done with, and I'm not talking just about obviously Mayo, but you're talking about legends of the game that, you know, might have a book out or they're at a launch or something. And, and because for me, they were the people I was watching growing up and, and it's fantastic. But I mean, the, at the end of the day, they're ordinary people. Like yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson is a legend, even though I'm not a Manchester United fan. Um, but he's a complete legend. And he was a, I found him to be a gentleman with it, had time for absolutely everyone that, that yeah. came in to have a word with him that day. And that's all I've ever heard about him, that he's, yeah. he's been like that. So I don't know about overwhelmed. I think definitely the nerves are good, though. The adrenaline is good. And I think if you have a little bit of nerves before you do anything like that, it kind of it puts you on a bit of a, an edge that, that that's good for you going into it but no not not overwhelmed I think you have to kind of take the few breaths and say I'll be fine like I do this you yeah know, I do this all the time and it's 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 like interviewing you know whoever you be doing interview more regularly or whatever just they are a total legend you're kind of looking at them going wow <laughs> did I really <laughs> yeah. and and you did leave Midwest in 2019 I believe why did you just need to move away from radio you get a bit sick of it or just need a new challenge yeah, I need a new challenge. It was one of these things. I mean, I if you would ask me probably even at the beginning of that year, would I have seen myself leaving? I just said, no way. Um, I loved it and I still love it. And as I said, there's no one in there that I genuinely wouldn't say I'd love to go for a cup of coffee with or whatever the mm. case may be now. And I keep in touch with so many of them, um, which is lovely because they, they were part of a huge part of my life. And I kind of grew up in there. But I did kind of like, a, you know, I maybe hit 35, 36. And I said to myself, I, I am there a long time. And if I, I felt myself and there's absolutely nothing, there's nothing wrong with it if someone decides to stay in a job 50 years, six years. My dad was in the one job most of his life. My mom was a nurse. Most of hers. like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just thought, OK, I've never challenged myself to anything else. I don't even know if I can do it like so why don't I give it a bash and see if I can and a change could be good for me and kind of reinvigorate me a little bit because to be fair I think even for Midwest like I listen I listen to, to radio all the time I love radio um, and I, I switch between radio stations here even when I'm working but like I listen to you know Michael D so much um, in Midwest and the freshness he has brought you know, to the job, things I would never have thought of or been as good as him at. So I think for Midwest, it was probably really good as well. That the, yeah. Because, I, like, the, you know, no one was going to say to me, unless obviously I'm at a big boo-boo, get out, you know, hmm. um, because that's not the, the way it works. But it's good for them as well. It's it's refresh things. And and look, like, th there was no safer man to leave that in the hands of than Michael Dean McKendry yeah. because, like, total all-rounder he's just he's he's super what he does and he's yeah. great he, like, he's great he just has a great knowledge of sport a great love for it and a great love for radio so um I think just the, the new challenge for me was what it was all about and just challenging myself and then sure I, I went wild all together and changed twice in a couple of years which I never <laughs> yeah but, but that switch the hospice did you enjoy it are you just kind of getting why well, I want to move on again? No, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the hospice is very close to um, our hearts in my own family, which is probably what led me to when it when I saw it advertised first. I mean, my dad had had hospice care um, before he passed away and it just it made such a difference to us. So the work they do is just so vital to families um, in supporting them. So I felt privileged to be a part of that. Um, very privileged to be to play and it's a tiny part that I played because I was there for such a short time and it's not 
it's not the admin staff. And I think my ex-colleagues will appreciate me saying that who do what's really tough. It's it's the medical staff there yeah. um, who provide the care and, and they're the ones who are the ambassadors and they're the ones who make, I mean, we really, we were just doing the admin behind the scenes for them because they're the ones who do the fundraising in through their work without ever knowing it, if you know what I mean. So um, no, I mean, just, it, it was tough. It changed with COVID, I suppose, as well. Um, because it, 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 you know, fundraising became tough, but we were very lucky. We had great supporters and, and last year actually went really well in terms of fundraising. Um, I probably just felt like I had had a chance maybe to reassess over COVID as well, because we all had a little bit more time to think maybe, and we were in our own homes a little bit more. And I, I thought, you know, I do, re so communications was part of that. And I, like the communication side of it is so closely tied to journalism and to what you do you're just telling the story from the other perspective so when you're when you're working in a newsroom you're getting the story out there you know in terms of you know the press release that comes in or the interview that you're doing but you're literally flipping that back and seeing it from the other side so I do enjoy that communication side of it um I left and I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't have a solid job I yeah. did have the, the hospice job offer when I was leaving but I midwest but I didn't have a job offer this time and I am blessed that, you know, it's amazing social media, like put a little bit of a tweet up saying I'd be interested in some freelance work. And, um, you know, um, I, I got chatting to Maria about what she, she had an opening that that she needed filling there. And, and I've just been very lucky. Um, and, and it's it, again, it just broadens your horizons because I would never have realized the way the European Parliament worked. I thought I had half an idea from working in the Midwest, not a clue. Not a clue, and I, I'd be the first one to say it. And and the amount of work they do, and and I, I know I work in communications, and I can't say any different. But I I I never realised, I never appreciated, um, how hard you know our, mm. our public representatives work, and and um yeah, so it's it's great, it's it's a brilliant opportunity to learn and broaden my horizons even more, and and see where where it leads you, you know. Yeah, and and it's you do see a common pattern. A lot of people like yourselves who have a communications degree do go in and advise a lot of the ministers, a lot of the public representatives. Do you see it as a bigger challenge than let's say hosting a radio show because you're you're dealing with very important issues? Do you see it as a bigger challenge? Um, yeah, well, I probably I do because I, I'm learning very much. Like I have about just over two months done and I don't know where the time has gone with Maria. And as I said, like the European Parliament workings are even so different to the eruptus at home. So, I mean, I'm really I'm starting from the I'm whatever the, the, the baseline is, I'm well below that again. And so and the team are so patient with me, like in, in kind of guiding me through it. Uh, but probably I find it a bigger challenge simply because as I said earlier I was, I was actually I was saying this to someone I don't know why I was who I was chatting to about this I grew up in in local radio um I grew up I I, I learned on the job as well but I, I started there when I was 18 in the studio and I I grew up learning you know being thrown in at the deep end probably doing a radio show or and I would not like to listen back to the first few radio shows I did. Say they were shocking. Um, I don't know if they were much better. Some people would say by the end of it. But, you know, yeah, I probably because I grew up doing it, I was very comfortable, very, very comfortable keen doing it. So it's not that I think it's less, less important, though. You, you're dealing with huge issues here. And one word, definitely in the European Parliament, and it's probably true of everything, one word can change the meaning of an entire press release. If I were to yeah. omit something, you know, that that was, you know, in, in the 
text uh, of a vote that was passed, for example, I could change the meaning of that. So I, like, I'd be very cautious about that because I'm still very much learning. Um, so for me at this moment in time, yes, it's very much a bigger challenge. But I think that's just because of the, the comfortable nature. I, you know, I was I'd sit behind. No, I don't know if I'd sit behind a radio desk now. I, I go off my ISDN news at weekends. I'd probably nearly have to relearn a radio desk now again because it's, it's been a while since I sat behind one. But I was very comfortable in that. Um, but then, you know, you can be throwing curveballs, especially with live radio, where, you know, I remember the days when ISDN lines went down at matches and the sweat would be pouring off you and there'd be only two of us in the studio and you'd be running from the apps room to the studio and trying to get them back. And people are giving out because they just want to hear a match and I can totally understand that, but you can't get it back. So there's, it depends on the situations. But yes, this at the moment for me, this is, but it's, it's brilliant because it broadens, it broadens your horizons and makes you think a little bit more outside the box too. Yeah, but you're also doing the uh, freelance work with Radio 1 at the moment. Do you feel like your heart will always be at sports broadcasting? That's a good question, yeah. I love the way I'm doing it now at the minute. Um, and I loved the Mayo GA TV stuff um, mm. as well, the presenting work there, uh, simply because, uh, this, this sounds daft, I mean, but... And again, it's no one heaping pressure on you. In these, it's, it, it's A lot of this I put on myself, I have to say. But you go in, you do your match, you cover your match, you know, you, you bring your equipment, you're there early, you make sure that everything is set up and working. You do your reports, you do a couple of pieces of reaction from the games, you file all of that and your short report, you send it off, you pack your stuff and you come home. There is very little, for me, pressure with that. Um, and I love that. And I love being out at games. So it brought me right back to when I was 15, 16, 17, when I was out covering matches, whereas the studio a sports editor is, is a different role. It, well, it was for me because I'm, I'm not a commentator and I would never pretend to be. So I, I was more studio based bar for, you know, when it came to kind of championship and that, yes, you were out in, in um, the satellite cruiser or whatever covering games. But yeah, it's, it's brought me back. So I, I will always have a love for it. I, I, I think it's a bug that never goes away because I swore actually when I left Midwest, I said, well, I'll wait, I'll wait at least six months before I see if there's any kind of freelance bits out there. I won't even turn my head if someone rings me. And, you know, uh, Paul Canan, who was PRO in Mayo at the time, I started in July, I think he rang me in the September and said, you know, we we're just thinking like, would you be interested or would it suit you to do a bit of presenting for us? And I was like, Ah, sure I will. That wasn't six months like it was about two. So um, yeah, it's a bug. It's a very hard boat to get out of your system. But I think I have a lovely balance now, even though it's really busy, but I'm really enjoying it. Like, because I don't have that additional pressure of even organizing the games and that that's someone else's job, which is great. And they do it very well. Um, and then I go, I'm getting out to the games and watching them and I'm getting that buzz but without the additional pressure of it. So I, I really am getting the best of it. But I think it's a I think it's a bug you'll never get out of your system. Jerry Glennon always said it to me, and I say to him, not at all. Jerry, you can walk away from all this if you want, but it's very hard to walk away from it. Yeah. yeah. And what advice would you have on sports support? Because that's what I'm doing at the moment with Midwest. You're, you're doing for Radio 1. It's the county games. It's a very accurate report because you can tell when you're listening to Radio 1, it's a step up and it's very detailed it's very professional and it's even very swift moving i found yeah. that's what i yeah. found yeah yeah like you have yeah. jackie and you have the uh, other fellow's his name yeah darren yeah. frehill yeah. 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 yeah 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 and they're moving swiftly to the games they're going to this game this game this game and you have to be honest mm -hmm. is it tough and also just give some advice on putting on the games what's your biggest advice on those 
Yeah, I mean, it was a big, listen, it was a huge, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you're not starting from the bottom, definitely not, because the, 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 look, there'd be, no, there'd be no sports show on Midwest, and I'm not just saying it because I'm chatting to you, or on any other radio station, unless mm. there were reporters willing to go and cover the games who have a knowledge and a love for it. Um, so, um, definitely, you know, the fact that, and, and the fact that you're getting a start in, in a local radio that's, that, that's you know, very, Midwest is very highly regarded, very well listened to, that's brilliant. So, I, like, I'm delighted to hear that that's, that's happening and that's being encouraged because that'll be great for you, Keen. It'll always stand to you, no matter what path you yeah. go down, that will always stand to you. Um, but certainly, um, in terms of, it was a huge step up for me. Like, I, had, I hadn't ever covered a game for, for Radio 1 up until pre-COVID that February, um, the league had started before we everything shut down um, and Barry O'Neill, the producer there, had phoned me probably, I think, prior to Christmas to see was I interested. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he was kind of going through some of the stuff, but it is it's as you said, it's very swift. It's, you know, you, you get in your head, you see so you wear your headphones from the minute you go in um, you get the instructions in your headphones from the producer on the day you're you know, will you give us a 40 second update, a 50 second update, or, you know, we have a minute here, perhaps if, if it's a particular time, get, get your update done in that. Um, and then you have, there's a, there's a very, there's a, that, that will happen X amount of times during the game. And then you'll have a, a path to follow with, you know, you'll check, do they want reaction from it, depending on, on how, how, so how, how would happened. you take down your notes? Would you go, right, you've got a score here and just take down little notes? Yeah, also oh, in the practical, yeah, in the in the very practical sense, I am old school. So I have the laptop with me. That's the only thing I have brought yeah. brought with me because I'm actually I'm a, I can read my typing because mm. it's not my scribbles. <laughs> so I'm not I I might one thing radio will do to you is destroy your handwriting. And um, I have absolutely horrible handwriting. I lo- I found a, a notebook here that I had years ago in a in a laptop case going back from years ago and it, I lovely handwriting you can't read it anymore but yeah I do bring the laptop but I literally have a hard backed notebook now for t- tonight for example I'm covering a, a ladies league semi-final tomorrow in tune so um I'll have a look at it's it's goal it's corked I keep saying Galway Donegal it's not it's Cork Donegal and I will have a look at you know the, the teams are usually named ladies Gaelic so I literally on that that hardback A4 notebook um if I get the teams in advance sometimes you won't sometimes you will on one sheet, I'll have Cork. The other sheet, I'll have Donegal. I actually write, even though you will get a program when you go to these matches, I find it, I write things down to reinforce. I have lists for work. I'm, I'm one for writing down. I always do that. It reminds yeah. me and reinforces things for me. So I literally would do the two team lineups as they line out from goalkeeper right up to the full forward, to the corner forward. And um, then I'll do a little bit of, well, I, I watched Donegal last week against Galway. So I, like I've seen them but I'll do a little bit of research on the teams, their form so far, mm. what stage we're at. Like, so this is a semi-final, obviously it's knockout. Um, you know, uh, you know, when they last met maybe, and I literally bullet points underneath those teams, the two team sheets. So that the cork points might be five, might be five bullet points under that same for Donegal. And they will be, if, if I get an opportunity now, time mightn't allow it, but if they come to me for perhaps for a preview before the game on uh, Saturday afternoon, that I will, have maybe a minute, a minute and a half, and I will say, you know, Johnny Gall overcame Galway last week in their final group game. You know, Cork, you know, won all three. You know, whatever the case may be, and a little bit of a set the scene. So that's been very practical terms. And when when I'm actually at the match, the next page of that notebook will be. You generally have your program then as well. So I'll record. I've recorded any changes and everything. I will draw a line down. I'm real old school. I'm sure there are far more efficient ways of doing this. But a, a line down the middle of each page. 
and Corker on one side, Donegal on the other. And, you know, you set your stopwatch or in the ladies game, you'll have your timer. And literally every time there's a score, I'll write it in the column for whatever team it is and the time. So mm-hmm. if, and I, I, I do my own kind of shorthand. It's not proper shorthand. So Kim and Nicholas, PT point F for free in brackets beside it. Yeah. 45, same thing in brackets. Um, and I will record the score under it each time there's a change in it. So on each column, you know, two points to one, because I find when they are coming to you very quickly, you need that reference. But even though but you, your scoreboard, you know, might be at an angle or something. So you don't want to don't you don't want to stress yourself. I always think it's in front of me. So if they come to me, you're starting like they're very concise about it and it's a really good way of doing it. You start with your score and the time gone. And you yeah. usually end on your score and the time gone. So, you know, it's two points to one. There's three minutes played. Two points from, you know, Sarah, Mayo, Sarah, um, they, you know, whoever Dublin re- replied with a point from whoever, you know, and it's, and that's it. You give the little bit of detail. If there was a flash point, like a penalty or whatever, or if there's a goal, I find I, I write it and underline it um, in block capitals and then give, maybe two lines about the actual goal. So who passed the ball into who and who scored it? Was it into the corner? Did it go under the keeper? Was there, you know, whatever it might be. It's very short though. And they're the points that inform my report. And the advice I would give is try and get into that as early as possible. Because, okay, local radio sometimes might requ- might require longer reports, but I think it's a really good habit to get into, to keep mm-hmm. it to the 14, 50 seconds and time in it. We all talk at different speeds, so that's going to be different even word count in a report for you than it might be for me. Yeah. Or So I think things like that are useful, but I, yeah, I'm really old school with it, and I'm sure there are people that come in and look at me and go, what is she doing? But it's the way I follow, and whatever yeah. you're comfortable with, and my wides are literally a tick over the top of the teams as as they're, okay. so that I have, especially if there's a lot of wides in a game, it's a nice point to be able to say, you know, Mayo have been very wasteful in this quarter, like they've kicked four wides um, or whatever. And it's just, they're nice little tidbits of information for your report afterwards as well. Yeah, um, very interesting. Certainly take some notes on that. But I'll just finish off with a quick fire round. Um, So I'll start off with, who is your favourite broadcaster or journalist? (gasps) Keen, you should have warned me about these questions. (laughs) This isn't going to be quick fire. It's going to take us another hour now. who I have to say sports broadcasting wise, and I'm not just saying this because, um, because I'm doing a bit of work that like, I, you know, I do think Jackie Hurley is superb. Mm. Her knowledge, like I shouldn't be saying it cause it's like inside secrets, but like when you have the headphones on, you can hear them talking in the studio. Like that's not knowledge that's been presented to her on a sheet of paper. This is knowledge in her head. So I think as a woman, like, you know, I, I just think she's a phenomenal ambassador for female sports broadcasters, uh, but they're all of a very high standard there anyway, you know, um, I so I would say if I'm looking at sports broadcaster, definitely um, Jackie would be up there for me in terms of 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 how she works, how she's very, very natural. She loves it. You can tell she loves it. If I was talking about news or current affairs, I do have to say I loved Sean O'Rourke um, on Radio One that he would have been really big favorite of mine. Um, you know, I just think he had a great way of interviewing people and getting information out of them that they never even realized they were given. So I, if I'm allowed to, I'm going to go to, I'm yeah, going to go to the new side of it. Yeah. Okay. And who's your favorite male player? Oh, Keen, this is just <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is like an exam. This is like sitting in my knee. <laughs> God, like currently. Do they yeah, have to currently. Currently, currently, currently. Um, so currently, I am going to say, well, 
I'd have to say I'm going to flag again here. I think our own club man, David McBride, should be getting a huge chance. Great footballer. So just so I'm, I'm accepted the next time I go to the club, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or I meet his dad or mum, who, who I'll be meeting later, his mum actually, at, at, under his trainer. But um, yeah, who's my favourite? But like, oh God, this is a really tough question. Because I think there are just, I have to say, I, I started by talking about Oshin Mullen. And he's, yeah. he's just to me, I mean, he's, I think he's an incredible fan. I think if he was playing, I know he won Young Footballer of the Year. He has been recognised, I'm not saying he hasn't. But I think if he was playing for Dublin, what we'd be hearing about that young lad yeah. is just phenomenal. I, ju- I just think, if I'm going to go for, I mean, I could talk about like the Colin Boyles, the, you know, the Aidan O'Shea's, the, there's players there that are just, you know, okay, some of them are retired now, Keith Higgins, David Clark, they're, they're just phenomenal. But and you said current. So I'm going, I, I'm actually going to go with Oshin because I, I just, okay. he blew me away last year mm-hmm. and he's continuing to do it. It's, it's been sustained. So let's go with Oshin. We start okay. with him. With him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, tea or coffee? No, coffee. it's actually tea. that's co- that's actually coffee. I needed a coffee today. Yeah. Um, I was I, I was early morning back at the gym as I was saying, so I'm I'm struggling with that at the moment. But no, I am I'm a big tea person. Tea bag in, small drop of milk, no sugar. Uh, I am a disgrace when I go out when I leave the tea bag. In. I embarrass people in my family. <laughs> but yeah, tea. Barry's a lions. Lions. That's what, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Is that okay? Uh, am I accepted? Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> um, bit of a tough one. What's the highlight of your career? That's an awful, that, that is really yeah. an awful question. God, um, I don't know, like. You've given your highlight in Midwest, would that would I take that as an answer or are you giving them? Well, yeah, I, God, that's, that's a really, um, that's a really tough question. I don't know what the highlight of my career would be. Um, like I love, you know, you, you have little, little like markers, even now, um it's an awful buzz like I was driving to this is this is pathetic I need to check get myself in there I'm far too open but I was driving to Carlo to cover a game a couple of weeks ago it was a late um what was a simple stadium I didn't know it was Carlo it was a, an evening game so Saturday sport had started on radio one now I listen anyway I've always listened to you know I'd always be flicking around and to hear Des Cahill who's a complete legend saying but Angelina Newton to be there covering that later and I actually went oh we like you know so that was a bit of buzz that's not the highlight of my career uh, if it is I really need to hire my expectations I, I, I that's a really tough question I mean I had I had so many highlights um when I was when I was in in Midwest because I was yeah. very lucky to be to be afforded the opportunities like I got you know I got opportunities to present a current affairs show there while I was there and they, they were all they're all highlights because they all build character so god I don't know maybe you, you look take the PPI award keen but uh, you know yeah. for that documentary in terms of I suppose media career um that that would be one of them for me to be one of the standout ones I think. okay yeah and what's your favorite tv series these are desperate if you are the best <laughs> Don O'Rourke, eat your heart out. I'm putting you straight on to Radio 1 and the morning, <laughs> like inquisitions on politicians. Um, wow. Uh, what's my favorite? I love Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I was talking to my sister about TV series last night and some of the, like, I, I'm a latecomer to Line of Duty. I don't know if you did Line of Duty or watch it. No, I didn't watch it, but there's a lot of hype oh. around it. Yeah, late comer to that. So I was way behind everyone else. I only started watching it earlier this year. And I'm, well, I'm nearly like at the end of season four. So mm. I think I have maybe one more season to watch, but I don't know where I can get it. So I'm stalling uh, yeah. to, so that I, I can go on to the next one. Um, so uh, yeah, abs- yeah, I loved that. I, like, I like the kind of the, 
the kind of the, the hospital drama type stuff or that I like something that's a complete release. I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of of kind of crime podcasts and stuff if I'm listening to stuff or more serious stuff or yeah. you know, newscasts, recaps of the day. So if I'm watching TV, I want to switch off. So I'll say Grey's Anatomy slash Line of Duty. I'm doing yeah. two all the time. I'm a desperate, I'm desperate, haven't I? <laughs> and I'd say this is a bit of an easy one now. If you were to invite any five dinner guests, dead or alive, who would they be? <laughs> oh, this is terrible this is the worst interview I've ever done I've got to come out of this looking so bad okay Muhammad Ali would be one okay that's one my dad's favourite boxer and he had such a, a want to I just think he was a great character I grew up watching videos of him Muhammad Ali um, Jim Gavin okay love yeah. to get inside that man's head like I'd love to we'd ply him with a couple of beers or something or whatever yeah. whatever his drink of choices and get inside his head because I think he's just so measured uh, who else would I like to invite? Who else would I like to invite to dinner, dead or alive? That's a great question, Keen. I should have thought about these before I came on. I'm trying to think in the world of because I do have I like I do have a love for for politics and you know some of the politicians and Donald Trump. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't. I, I'm not saying I'm a fan of Donald Trump. So I'd love <laughs> to invite him for for dinner just to see is he really like that. Yeah. is he really like that or was it all just a big act <laughs> mm. that'd be interesting so that's three of them so who have I now if Muhammad Ali they, these are, they, their guests aren't going to get on too well Jim Gavin and Donald Trump <laughs> this not a gym. Um, who else I if I was to invite anyone do you know what would be fascinating is Brian Cody yes I've always heard great yeah. things about Brian Cody giving speeches to teams and that not just Kilkenny to other teams and coming in as well I think he'd be a really fascinating guest um, and you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to throw my my sister in there. She'd have to be the fifth guest. <laughs> she would absolutely live for that. And she's um, she's a woman who's very vocal about her football and Dublin. So I think it'd be great crack to see a rib at gym. So there my <laughs> class, class. And um, the last one now, describe yourself in three words. Can't do it in three words. Have you met me for the last hour? <laughs> um, describe myself in three words. Talkative. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think optimistic. Yeah. And I hope um, loyal. I'd Class. like to be paired with loyal. Yes. Yeah. Thanks very much, Angelina. Uh, Keen, thank you so much. And the best of luck with everything you're doing. It's a great podcast. Thank you. Thank you.